We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Kevin Rogers with you here on 560 WQAM. Take you up until 10 o'clock. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game about to start in a few minutes up in Cleveland. A lot of interesting storylines coming out around baseball the last few days and a lot of things we want to get to with our next guest. Very excited to talk to him. He is a former Major League catcher. He now works not only with the Philadelphia Phillies television squad, but also part of Radio.com Sports MLB Insider Ben Davis, part of the Radio.com podcast Big Time Baseball Players Edition. And Ben Davis joins us right now here on 560 WQAM. Ben, good to talk to you. How are you? Kevin, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. There's so many things to hit on, and I guess number one with uh, the All-Star game and the story yesterday that came out with Justin Verlander of the Astros, he was uh, very vocal as far as saying that the baseballs are juiced, the offense is up, you're seeing a ton of home runs. Where do you stand on what Justin Verlander said? Well, uh, I hate to go against the commissioner, but I couldn't agree with Justin Verlander anymore. I mean, this is we're on pace to set astronomical numbers when it comes to home runs. And uh, these things are like racquetballs going out of the ballparks. Um, you know, it's, I think it, it, Major League Baseball got to the point where they didn't like to see the strikeouts. They thought the fan didn't like to see the strikeouts. Everyone coming out of the bullpen now throws 95 to 103, it seems. And everyone's striking out. And they said if the players are able to get a barrel on a baseball, the fans want to see it go out of the ballpark. Well, they got their wish, and they are flying out of the ballpark. And uh, is it good for baseball? I think at times, but you see guys, you know, little guys. I watch these guys take BP every day, and they're going oppo in the upper tank, and they're like, well, what is going on here? You know, nothing against these guys, but uh, these balls are juiced without a doubt. Now, for, I guess, the common person, Ben, what does that mean when they say the balls are juiced? Well, they're, they're wound tighter, first and foremost. Uh, the seams are, are lowered on them, uh, so the pitcher doesn't have the, the chance to get uh, you know, more rotation on the ball when he's throwing all-speed pitches. Um, and, and I believe that the inside of the ball is a lot firmer. I had a, uh, one of the bat boys for the Phillies. Um, someone had, had hit, sliced the ball off at the end of their bat, and the guy was using a cupped bat. So the ball actually had a big slice in it, smiley face. So that boy took the ball apart, and he said that he got to the core of the ball, and he said it was like a rock inside. And he said, man, I'm telling you, so these balls are just – I'm watching pitchers take batting practice, and they're hitting balls in the upper deck. And I'm like, come on, man, this is, there's something going on. So the balls are just wound tighter, plain and simple. They're like golf balls flying out of there. Ben Davis, MLB Insider, Radio.com, joining us here on 560 WQAM. Now, you're a former catcher. You saw the uh, the collision at home plate between Jake Marisnik of the Astros and Jonathan Lucroy 
of the Angels on Sunday was pretty ugly. Luke Roy left the game. He broke his nose. Uh, I guess before I get to the analysis of that, what's the worst collision you ever were involved in in baseball? There were quite a few of them. Um, I was a bigger guy, so I think uh, a lot of of guys kept coming. Like, I'm going to go get this big guy. And uh, there were there were quite a few. I probably the best one that I got was J.T. Snow. It was um, it was a throw from my buddy Mike Dar uh, from right field, and it was a perfect one hop strike. But of course, you're looking to the right field side. You're not seeing the base runner coming in, and it was a perfect one hop strike to me. I caught it and I turned, and J.T. just leveled me. Um, I don't know how, but I did hold on to the baseball, um, and he was out. But I got up and I was seeing stars. I was you know I had to call timeout and go out to the mound and get my get my whereabouts. But uh, he laid into me pretty good, and um, you know it was. I always gave the, the runner a plate until I got the ball. Then I took the plate away, and I had the ball. I took the plate away, and he let me have it. But, um, you know, it's it's you know that play on the other day on Sunday. Um, I don't know why Marizic just didn't slide straight into home plate. Uh, he he had the plate. All he had, he just looked like he went intentionally into him to go get him. I don't know if he thought Luke Roy was going to come back and get the ball or take it on the long hop, but. Uh, it looked like he just went out of his way to, to go ahead and lay Luke Roy out. Um, you know, I hope Jonathan's okay. He's a great guy. Um, but, yeah, I just I didn't, didn't slide straight in and be safe. Is that the most uh, – is that the – is that collision one that uh, you've never seen before? I felt like it was one that was almost like a, like two trains getting together. I mean, we've seen them over the years, but that's one of the most violent collisions I've seen. Yeah, it was a violent one. There was a time – I was actually I – I had the night off in Chicago – and I was in the bullpen, and there was, you know, the bullpen in Chicago, the home bullpen is right down the left field line. And I'm in the bullpen just watching the game, and there was, a, again, a throw from right field came in, and Jamie Burke was catching at the time. We were playing the Twins, and Tory Hunter was running home. And Jamie kind of caught the, the ball up the line. When I mean up the line, I mean more towards the first base side. Um, and Tory Hunter went out of his – Burke didn't even have the ball yet, and Tory went out of his way to, and just blew up Jamie. And I immediately, I, I knew he was going to be out of the game. He was concussed for I don't know how many days. Um, and I immediately just ran down to the, down to the dugout because I knew I was going in. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was one of the more violent ones I've ever seen. Now, taking a look at the National League, you are heavily involved with the Phillies on their broadcast. This year, 47-43, and 43, six and a half back of the Braves. Washington has passed them for right now. They've been on fire of late. But just focusing on the Phillies for a second, obviously there was a lot going into this season. Bryce Harper signing, Andrew McCutcheon going over there, and he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. JT Real Muto, who we saw here with the Marlins. That what's... I, I don't want to say what's gone wrong because right now the Phillies are in the mix, but what hasn't gone right, I guess, for them, for the thinking of they should be in first place at this point and not six and a half back? Pitching. That's, that's bottom line. It's the pitching. Uh, Aaron Nola starting to be Aaron Nola that we saw last year. Uh, his last three outings have been phenomenal. Uh, but he still has you know a high four ERA. Um, the, the starting pitching has been so inconsistent. The bullpen has been riddled with injuries. Um, the, it's just, this lineup is so good. And I know we lost Andrew McCutcheon. He was such a great catalyst, uh, at the top of the lineup for us, but we were able to go out and get Jay Bruce, um, on a deal with the, with the Mariners. And he's been a godsend. He has been phenomenal. He had two home runs on Sunday to beat the Mets. Uh, he's been outstanding, but you just can't go and out slug people every night. It's just not the way it works in major league baseball. You know, I equate it to, you know, a three point shooting basketball team. You know, if those three aren't going down that night, you know, and you're not playing good defense, well, you're going to lose. You know, and that's what the Phillies. If they're not hitting on a certain night, 
you know, that we see a lot of L's go up on the board because the pitching is just not able to keep them in ball game. Uh, the starting pitching has been, like I said, very inconsistent. The bullpen's been riddled with injuries. They're starting to get a couple pieces back in that bullpen, but um, it's just it just hasn't gone the way they wanted it to from a pitching standpoint. Radio.com Sports MLB insider Ben Davis joining us here on 560 WQAM, former Major League catcher, part of the Phillies broadcast team as well. What has been the response with Bryce Harper in his first season with the Phillies, uh, at least from the media and the fans? He's been great. He's done everything that, that I think the city has asked him, the ball club has asked him. Um, I, I, he's, he's done everything right. He said everything right. What his numbers, I'd like to see his numbers come up a little bit. Yes, and that, but he's a streaky guy. We know he's going to strike out a lot. We know he's going to hit home runs. Um, but he's driven in a, a lot of runs. He's on pace, I think, for about 110, 115 RBIs, uh, go along with 100 walks. So um, I think we'll take that any day of the week. But one thing about Bryce is he has hustled his tail off, and that's something that this city absolutely loves. He hasn't taken any plays off. Um, he doesn't take his offense out into the field. From a defensive standpoint, he's, he's played a really good right field. So I think uh, he's been very well-received. If the fans really like him, um, he's been, like I said, hustling his tail off, and that's one thing that the city really appreciates. You saw the uh, the series, obviously, with the Mets, the four-game sweep at Citizens Bank Park that ended with that wild game uh, with the walk-off homer by Gene Segura uh, in that game that the Mets took the lead in the ninth inning. What do you make of, of the just the drama and everything with the Mets and how – Everything has just gone to hell in a handbasket that fast with this team, with Mickey Calloway, with the situation. I guess I'll, I'll focus on that with you, Ben. What did you make of mm-hmm. that situation with what happened in Chicago before they got to Philadelphia with Mickey Calloway and Jason Vargas in the media? Yeah, they just, you know, they. I guess they just had enough. And um, obviously there's been a lot said about Mickey Calloway, whether he's going to keep his job this season. Um, and I think it's just basically Vargas sticking up for a skipper. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a time and place for that. I think maybe if you want to call him into the room and, and speak like men one-on-one, um, obviously he took the message from the reporter wrong. Um, but that's Mickey thought it was his time to, to voice his opinion. Um, you know, it's, it's, it really is a, a mess up there right now in New York. Uh, you have Edwin Diaz, who that game that you were talking about with the Sikora walk-off. I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's four to one. We're going up against gas. One of the best saver in baseball last season. I was like, I don't like our chances, but they were able to come back and, and somehow eke out a W in that ball game, get five runs off them. It was just a phenomenal effort by the Phillies. Um, it, it's we all know that the, the the test that the Philadelphia team has always had for the Mets. They just don't like them. Um, whether it's you know Chase Utley coming out in public saying, "Yeah, I don't like the Mets," or or whether that be Jimmy Rollins saying, "We're the team to beat," and, and they went out to prove it and beat the Mets in '07. Um, it's just always been a big rivalry, and uh, that four-game sweep of the Mets was huge. And then they go into New York last weekend and take two out of three. So um, it's been it's been a good run against the Mets this year because they've had our number the last so many years. They've come into Citizens Bank Park and hit a ton of home runs. It's nice to see the Phils re- repay the favor. Ben, i got to ask you, just because you're on with me, and I remember this years ago, and I know that uh, you've talked about this over the years, but I just wanted to, to bring it up. Obviously, the the bunt against Kurt Schilling that broke up the perfect game back in 2001, and I absolutely hate the unwritten rules of baseball. I love baseball, but I hate the unwritten rules. I think that if you're down 2 nothing, you get on base however you need to get on base, and you bunted to break up the perfect game to get on base. And it was, I, I want to talk about that situation with you. What made you want to bunt in that situation? 
Did you see my first two at bats in that game? I did. Uh, no, no, I did not. So you just have to remind me. No, that's. I mean, that's exactly what I told the reporters after the game. And Kurt was that good that night. Um, he's he was about that good just about every time he he took the ball. Um, I just I didn't feel like I had a chance swinging the bat against him. And it was only two nothing. If it was six nothing ball game, no, I'm not going to do that. But um, you know, I just figured that was the best way for me. And then I laid down a bunt every now and again. Uh, it wasn't fleet of foot, but I had pretty good back control. I could lay down a bunt. And I thought, hey, why not give it a shot? And it wasn't the prettiest punt, but I noticed Jay Bell was playing in shallow right field at second base. Um, and I figured, hey, if I can get a pass, Kurt, I, I got a pretty good shot. And you know, I ended up doing it. And, and you know, that was my response. I said, hey, nothing against Phil. He's a great pitcher. Um, but I just didn't feel like I had a legitimate shot swinging the back because he was that dominant that night. I mean, he could hit a, a Nats tail from 60 feet that night. He was, uh, he was unbelievable. Did you think that the whole thing was totally blown out of proportion? Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was at the time, um, the, the inning ending, I went back in, I put my shin guards on, put my gear back on, I went back out and played in the stadium, you know, the, the dugouts were field level. So you basically just walked out of the dugout and you're on the field. And I remember going out to one of the pitch up and they were, the Diamondbacks were just screaming and shouting. And I'm like, man, those boys are fired up about something. And I looked over to my left and they're pointing at me and they're, calling me every name of the book. I'm like, what is going on? So I kept setting a half inning. And of course, who I, who do I see out the council of Tony Gwynn? I go sit next to T and I'm like, T man, they're awful fought up. And he's like, man, the hell with those guys. He goes, you did the right thing. He goes, it worked. You got to took, brought the tie and run to home place. You don't worry about them. He goes, if you were, did something wrong, believe me, I'll be the first one to tell you, but he didn't do anything wrong. So yeah, I thought it was a little blown out of proportion. Uh, Bob Runley was very upset about it. He was very vocal about it. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, if I had to do it over again, yeah, I'd do it again. Um, I think the most uh, the most gratifying thing about that whole thing was the following week we went back to Arizona to play, and Schilling was on the mound again, and I hit a single my first time up against him, and then I hit a double my next time up against him. He wasn't quite as sharp as he was his previous outing, so that was a little gratifying from my end. <laughs> ben Davis, MLB insider from Radio.com, former Major League catcher, also part of the Phillies television network. Great information, great stories. Ben, appreciate the time. Enjoy the All-Star game. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Sounds good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, you got it. Ben Davis right there. And I, I'm glad I, I finally got the uh, the insight on that story. On the uh, If you remember that, Ben Davis, who famously was, you know, the catcher that broke up Kurt Schilling, a perfect game that Kurt Schilling had with the Diamondbacks when Ben was with the Padres. And you can't do that. You can't bunt. You're down 2 nothing. You have to get a real hit. If you get a real hit, then you broke it up. But if you get a bunt, that's not a real hit. Now, I don't know if you remember this, Danny, or not. Years ago, I mean, this was, I guess, at like 97 or so, when Alex Fernandez was with the Marlins. He faced the Cubs at Wrigley. He had, I believe, a no-hitter, I want to say, in the eighth or the, maybe the ninth inning, maybe started the ninth with a no-hitter. Whoever was up with the Cubs, I don't remember, hit a ball barely up the middle in the infield. It just died in the infield, and it broke up the no-hitter. Like, that's more legitimate, just a, an infield hit that barely gets through, that no one could get. I mean, that's where I'm like, what's legitimate? You hit the ball 500 feet, so that's a legitimate way to break up a no-hitter? Listen, I agree with you 100%. The unwritten rules in baseball are ridiculous. I mean, I love I love it when a guy hits a home run and he flips the bat. I love it when, I love it when the guy, you know, you know, does a little shake, we're going down the 
going down the bases. You know, these things don't bother me. You know, to me, they make the game more exciting and interesting in a game that's already slow-paced. So, you know, and then what What I hate worse is that when a guy does that, and then the next thing you know, he's getting a ball thrown at his head, and Brian McCann wants to wants to get in a fight with him, you know, in the field, acting like a jackass. You know, come on. That's, that waste, that is a waste of my time. Not a bat flip. Come on, show respect. Hit the ball 500 feet, but show respect. It's like the same thing with, in football. Don't celebrate. Act like you've been there before. Hand the ball back to the official. BS. Spike the ball. Have a party. Ocho Cinco, you put that thing. Man. You uh, river dance. Do all of it. What? This is entertainment, and yet we're, no, show respect. Or Ooh. Brian McCann will kick your ass. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Brian McCann is the, is the judge and jury of all of that. All right, we take you up until 10 o'clock. Randy Bowler's going to join us coming up in a little bit. We're tracking down the Red Deer, and talk a little Panthers with him because we were supposed to get him on last week, couldn't make it, but I want to talk to him about some of the moves coming up uh, in about eh, 20 minutes or so. He'll join us. Nothing yet with Russell Westbrook, just giving you that update, but we have an NBA update, though, coming up. There's a rule change that we have to get to. It's it's pretty funny. Kevin Rogers with you right here on 560 WQAM. Radio.com. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. Kevin Rogers with you here on 560 WQAM after our 30 second timeout. We're back. <sighs> All right. Anyway, All-Star Game is on. In case you're wondering, what a time to be alive and do radio, right? Our thanks to Ben Davis for hopping on. Enjoyed that. We've been, like, knocking them out tonight, Danny. Boom, one after the other. Right. Knocking them out. Texter's got a few things to say over here. Go ahead. All right. First one wants to say watching TV on a date, hence ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. There's that. I like uh, it. <laughs> uh, wait, one guy, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Hold on. Read that again. Okay, because we were talking about yeah. the story over the club. He goes, he goes, watching TV on a date, hence ex-girlfriend. No. <laughs> the TVs are on, and I can notice cleft palates. So uh, thank you for that one. And that oh. one. And that, and that worked out because... That just worked out. Anyway, that's fine. Another texture likes to say that Tyler Hero reminds him of Manu Ginobili. Okay. I guess. Okay. The Heat add Westbrook. They are going to the NBA Finals. No, that's not going to happen. But that's fine, though. That, that You could shoot for the stars, right? Sure, absolutely. Oh, one of our regular texters, Dom V, says, uh, what about... God, I hate reading stuff that makes no sense. What about what probably, probably, probably gave up the... For Butler, three-point shooting, guys like seven feet Covington, two solid bench guys. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I even attempted to read this. It's okay, I think what he was saying, I'm going to try to translate it. I think he's talking about when Butler was traded to the Sixers and they got rid of Robert Covington and Sarich. And I think they they flipped Sarich into the guy from Texas Tech, Culver. I think that's what they did. 
Here's a good point by one of the by one of the textures that I actually like a lot here. K Rods, these guys are expected these guys expected good things from the team last year. He calls them lumps, by the way. Uh, but then question the success of the teacher of the team featuring Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook. How does that make any sense? Look, the Heat are not better off without Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. I, I just can't see where you can say that this team is fine with Jimmy Butler and, and the supporting cast that he has. That It's just not true. But then it's like, well, you have Butler and Westbrook. Who else are you going to throw out there? What does it matter? Russell Westbrook's an MVP. He's an MVP from, what, three years ago? And doesn't he come close to averaging a triple-double like every night? He averages a triple-double every night, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone was, oh, well, his teammates get out of the way for, for him to get rebounds. Okay, you know what? Even if he did that twice a game, the guy's still averaging 20-something, eight rebounds, and 10 assists a game. Oh, he's a real bum. Okay. I'd like to answer this guy over here. He says, uh, it'll this team will be Butler, Westbrook, Journeyman, and guys from the D-League to take the minimum with Haslam warming off the bench, and I'm assuming that has a negative connotation. I, since, since then, have con- I've wrote a list. It's a rather extensive list. And I'm just going to go ahead and read this for this gentleman. These are players that the Heat have either gotten off the D League. Excuse G- you, the G League. Excuse Okay, the G League. Yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. The G League and just, you know, NBA journeymen off of what I like to call the heap, the trash heap. Okay. The $5 bin the fi- expects. The cheapy, the yeah. NBA cheapy bin, yeah. for lack of a better term, who have turned into productive players since Pat Riley has got here. Okay. Rex Chapman, John Crotty, Chris Gatling, Ike Austin, Clarence Weatherspoon, Keith Askins, Vashawn Leonard, Quinton Richardson, Carlos Arroyo, Rafer Alston, Jermaine O'Neal, James Jones, Mike Bibby, Gary Grant, Damon Jones, Eddie House, Bruce Bowen, who we discovered, Kurt Thomas, Marty Conlon, Terry Mills, Malik Allen, Keon Dooling, Jason Capono, oh, I put Terry Mills twice, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, and the Birdman. So somehow, I don't think that we're going to end up with a bad squad around him. Just, just, just putting that out there. So what you're suggesting pretty much is get Russell Westbrook and then get about seven guys you just named. Yes. That get Marty Condlin and get bring back Keith Askins and... Terry Mills. Find me a Terry Mills and a Jason Capono. And isn't Bruce Bowen doing TV? You could. I think Bruce Bowen's in the Clippers broadcast. I believe. I think he's on the Clippers. Bring him back. Get Mike Miller to lay up to lay on his stomach. Clarence Weatherspoon is never allowed back for the Heat because after he passed up, or after the excuse me, uh, the shot that Jamal Mashburn passed up to Weatherspoon, right? Yes. After that, he missed that shot. Not welcome back. Sorry. That's still a good list, though. That's a lot of guys. And I understand that they didn't turn any of those into... uh, All-stars. Right. And that's fine, because those teams had the likes of Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway and... Dwayne Wade, Wade LeBron, Bosh. The list goes on. Yeah, so they were supporting guys. They were like the sixth or seventh or eighth guys on those teams, not the second or third. And these guys can't be the second or third 
Rex Chapman, by the way, a block and charge fame on Twitter, too. Have you seen those videos? Have you followed Rex Chapman on Twitter? I have not. What's Rex oh, Chapman Oh, you would like this. Rex Chapman has become famous on Twitter for posting short videos, calls them block or charge. Basically, they're collisions. And they're like real life, not like sports collisions, like real life collisions. Like, you have to see it. I, I almost can't describe it to you, but you'll like it. I, Danny, I think this is up your alley. So I would check out Rex Chapman on Twitter. I'm, I'm on my way. Okay. So And I just want to let another texter know really quickly because he texts me, Danny, bro, put the IRA interview up. It's, it's up. Danny, put the IRA interview up. We're going to replay IRA when? We're going to do that at 9 o'clock hour, right? Yeah, around 9.45, 9.40, right around there. Okay. So we'll replay IRA coming up in an hour. If you missed him, he was on at 7 o'clock in Vegas. We will... Replay that in case you're not close to a computer. Okay, so here's the rule change from the NBA. This according to Shams. He's he's like the second, he's like the young Woj. He said that the NBA Board of Governors have passed, has passed, have passed the implementation of in-game challenge flags for head coaches this oh, year. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. I have one quick question before before you reiterate in this. We, we have to ask, what coach are you most looking forward to throwing the challenge flag onto the court? Before I get to that, can I just interrupt my, this conversation? So years ago, um, before I worked here in, in, uh, in the Miami markets, uh, I, my first job out of college was at uh, 610 Sports in Kansas City. My first Chiefs game ever, I have a point here, my first Chiefs game ever was against the Steelers at Arrowhead back in 2003. That was the Dante Hall year when he had those kickoff returns. There was a challenge flag in that game, or a challenge in that game. Bill Cower was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the time. Bill Cower, I will never forget this, he took the flag and he freaking launched it like 40 yards. Like, it was, you know, who is it? I think it's Bill Belichick. He has the, the flag in his sock. And he just like drops it on the field. Here, I'm gonna challenge it. Here, it's just like a like a like a like a mic drop. Here, I'm just gonna drop it on the field. Here, excuse me, officials. Just I'm gonna challenge this. See the flag? It's there. Bill Cower launched that freaking thing like across the stadium. Okay, that's the end of that story. Now let's get to the basketball. I just had to tell you that like that's my only like challenge flag story I have for you. That Bill Cower like literally took it and threw it. Like, almost into the upper deck. Well, Bill Cowher, just to get a quick digression, he always lost it when he thought his team got screwed. I remember when he first got hired as a coach. Maybe you remember this, came out. They had called the Steelers for, like, a 12-man on the field. Oh, is this the, uh, with the and pocket? He got, and, he, and he pulled the piece yeah. of paper, counted 11 men, sh- put it in the referee's face, folded it up, stuck it in his back pocket, and walked no, away. No, 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 no. Hold on. I have to correct you on the details because this is what the best part about it is. Yes, you are right on the story. He took the picture. You were right. This is back when, here, I'm printing the picture for you. The old black and white Kodak copy okay. picture. He, he put it in the in the breast pocket. The breast pocket. Okay, but right. wait, but when you see this, this is the best part. Him sticking it in the pocket is not the best part. He went to stick it in the pocket, and it, like, got stuck on his hand. If you check the replay uh, somewhere on YouTube or wherever... He goes to stick it in the referee's pocket, and it gets stuck on his hand, and it, like, pops out, and then he sticks it in again. And I remember, no, and I remember that. And he kind of patted it to be yeah, like, Yeah, it's like, here, get this in here. 
What's your fax number? I'll fax this to you, too. Okay, so back to the original question. So who is the NBA coach that we would love to see throw the challenge flag? Oh, God. Can I, can I look through? I got to look through coaches here because I don't remember off the top of my head. Let's see. Who could we look at? Who would be the coach? I well, mean, num- number one would be LeBron. Oh, he's not the coach of the Lakers? <laughs> oh. Okay, I would say... God, give me a second. I got to look at the coaches. I don't know if Spo would do it. I think I, I would want to see Popovich do it. Pop would be. I'll tell you, you know who who does get a little angry too. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um. I'm gonna go with Steve Kerr. Oh, I could see Steve Kerr. Like Steve Kerr, the one thing about him is he's he sits on the bench for the Warriors, and now it's gonna be different because the Warriors aren't the odds-on favorite next year. He sits on the bench and he just like lays back with the assistant coaches. He has his hands over their shoulders, just sitting back, no tie, just watching the game. But when he gets agitated, he gets agitated. Like when you see him, it, it just it gets turned up from zero to ten really fast with the. Uh, with Steve Kerr. I'd put Doc Rivers on that list, too. Doc could probably lose it. There's just a lot of guys on here that I just can't see. Like, I don't see Brad Stevens doing it. I don't see... Is Stan Van Gundy still coaching in, Pitts- in Detroit? No. No, he's gone? All right. No. I'll give you one. The guy Brent Brown from the Sixers. I could see him doing oh, that, yeah. too. He, he, he looks like he could lose it pretty fast. Okay, next question, then. What NBA player will take the flag from their coach's pocket and throw it for him? LeBron. That's it. No one else. LeBron. He's the only one. LeBron will seriously, I believe, I think he's going to ask the NBA for this this season. LeBron will ask to have some kind of breast pocket sewed onto his jersey so then he can have the challenge flag tucked in it like he's wearing a suit and then he could like a handkerchief and he could take it out and challenge when he has to so it's readily available. That's what I believe. Like and, and my final question to you about this challenge flag situation in the NBA. Yes. Why do they need the flag? Like isn't the scores table like right there for the coach goes, "Hey, I want a challenge." And then just, hey, just the whistle, okay, there's a challenge. Like like why do we have to go through the motion? I agree with you. I think that the flag can cause uh, an injury if you throw it. Depend. This this almost feels like this almost feels like arch rivals. You ever seen arch? Remember arch rivals? Of course. For those of you that are younger, arch rivals was the original NBA Jam. It was at the arcade, but the difference with arch rivals was it was sponsored by British Knights, by the way. That you can. There was garbage on the court. Literally, there was like banana peels and garbage that you had to maneuver around while on the court. That that was the that that was kind of like the oh, be careful because you're going to fall into a hole while you're dribbling down the court. So that's the one thing I can think of is you're going to throw a challenge flag and someone's going to slip and break their their head open. That's it. And I think of arch rivals. Because in Arch Rivals, you would slip on a banana peel that's on the court inexplicably, and somehow the ball would get stolen from you. Because that's like an extra defender. But I think you need the blowhorn. 
or the foghorn or whatever you want to call it. Just uh, you got you, you got one you got one shot and because whistles whistles will confuse you because referees have whistles, but you just go boom. You gotta have the air horn, just one shot. You have the air horn, and with that air horn, at least you are saying, you know what? I want to challenge this, and everyone in the arena knows it. It could beat the buzzer. I don't care. Boom, I'm doing this. No joke. Well, he was safe. Did they have challenges in the All-Star game? Oh, my God, what a horrible call that was. Safe by a mile. How? How do you miss that call? A, how do you miss that? And B, is it tacky to challenge it in an All-Star game? You know, that's a good question. I mean, I would assume if there was, like the game was on the line, look, they're challenging Oh, they it, are? There's nothing. Like, you still got to ch- Like, if he's safe, he's safe. Yeah. But is that tacky to challenge a call in an exhibition game? Not in an all-star game. If it's, well, I guess the point is, if you're just doing the challenge in general, if you're saying, I'm going to challenge, he's safe. I mean, come on. Yeah. Everybody saw that one. But yeah, Josh Bell, the Pirates, hits a chopper, and he beats it out, and the, and the umpire calls him out. Is that first base coach wearing a GoPro? Yes. Sir. Oh my God, that's <laughs> awesome. That is great. That's what we need. That's the future of baseball right there. Well, I said that during the College World Series, it was cool that the home plate umpire had the camera and you could see the pitches coming in. But is that is that a crazy like thing to have in the future to have GoPros no, on these helmets? It's, it's a natural. It's a natural progression. Remember when they tried to do that with, with was was it the Canadian Football League? Or was it the XFL that they had like the camera and the helmet, and and you could like see like 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 what the what the, what the ball carrier was seeing or whatnot? Usually, it'd be like the running back or the linebacker would have it. That would be. I don't remember that necessarily, but I think that it would be uh, pretty cool because now we're like in the action. See, I don't like the in in football. I don't like that floating camera that's hanging over the, the one feet. on the wire. Yeah, that one. I don't like that. That's just. That's like seasick. What a waste of everyone's time. The next batter is uh, Wilson Contreras. He grounds out to to Tanaka. Like it, next pitch, he grounds back to the pitcher. Like thanks for wasting all of our time. You have no marbles. I loved him. That guy was great. Not those Giants. Randy Muller is going to join us coming up next from the Florida Panthers uh, television team. And uh, we'll talk about what the Panthers did, some of the moves they made last week, and what else they're thinking about. That's straight ahead right here on 560 WQAM. Radio.com. Kevin Rogers with you here on 560 WQAM. We are with you until 10 o'clock. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game underway. No score, bottom of the second. Man, we've been all over the place tonight. We've talked baseball. We've talked NBA. We've talked college football. We still haven't hit on the Panteros, the Panthers. Big week for them last week. Signing Sergei Bobrovsky, 
and a couple of their uh, signings, and really kind of the talk of the offseason so far. And we'll see how that translates into the regular season. Our good friend Randy Moeller, Florida Panthers Television, Fox Sports Florida, joins us now on 560 WQAM. Randy, good evening. How are you? Hey, Raj. Uh, it's always great and a pleasure of mine to be on the show. Number one, Randy, you look at what the Panthers have done so far in the offseason. That uh, obviously, Joel Quenville, the biggest acquisition, bringing him in as the head coach. But bringing in Sergei Bobrovsky, and last week was the press conference that he was introduced to the media for the first time. What was it about the Panthers that made Sergei Bobrovsky leave the Blue Jackets? And of all the teams in the NHL, he chose the Panthers. Well, I just think he sees that uh, that young core that's on an upswing and, and has all the potential to uh, be a dominant team, hopefully, over the next number of years. It's not a team that's going down and, you know, that's been decimated by free agents leaving. It's a team that's added, that's uh, signed their core. Um, they've hopefully uh, shored up some defensive issues. And number one is goaltender. And I, I think Bobrovsky, I mean, when he met with Dale Talon and with Joel Quenville, uh, he said he, he already made it up his decision when they were in that discussion period when they weren't even allowed to talk about contracts in terms of the contract. So what that shows me is that he is dead serious about uh, coming to a team that continues to be on the upswing. So, But with that comes expectations. And Sergey Bobrovsky will will have that on his shoulders. When you sign a seven-year, seventy million-dollar contract, there's going to be a lot of focus, not only locally but um, nationally and internationally, for him to be that backstop that the Panthers need in order to take that next step. How surprised were you that Roberto Luongo called it quits? I was. I. Hey, Raj, I told you uh, when he did it, uh, I, I was I was a little surprised. I really thought that maybe Roberto would come back for one more year. But once it, it was revealed difficult it has been the last couple of years for him to perform at anywhere near his lay, his level of expertise, and he's a, you know he's the first ballot uh, Hall of Famer with all the statistics that he has. What he went through, we knew, and being around the team on a daily basis, that uh, the dedication that he has to put in, but I didn't realize that uh, the depth of that and what he really went through and, and, and that. And all of a sudden, I've been through it. I'm a former player. And all of a sudden, the body says no, the mind says yes, and then all of a sudden the body convinces the mind that no, 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 don't even go there. You can't, you can't compete like you want to compete and what your ego demands that you compete. And I, I think Roberto, um, very, uh, trying to find the words for it. He just, he just felt, you know what? I played at such a high level for so long. If my body can't do this anymore, then you know what? I'm just going to pull the plug now. Uh, he's a battler. He competes. He loves to compete. He loves the game and he loves being around the guys and that, but, it had to be pretty strong for him to say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to call it quits. But he can, he can walk away with his head held high, and he will be an absolute first ballot Hall of Famer 
just with his statistics. And I'm I'm very proud that he has come out and said that Kevin that he's going to stay in South Florida. And selfishly, I welcome him with open eyes, with open arms, as the president of the Florida Panthers Alumni Association, as him being a part of our alumni, because uh, he just gives us so much uh, more credibility that, 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 that has really increased over the last number of years with Ed Jovanovsky being down here and Ole Jokinen, Thomas Vokun and Radek Dvorak and and the names just go Billy Lindsay and go on and on and on. So hopefully uh, we're going to see a lot more of Roberto Luongo. Uh, it just won't be on the ice. Randy Moeller joining us here on 560 WQAM as the Panthers making some moves in free agency last week, mainly Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, what about some of the other names that were picked up by the Panthers? And they needed to not make a ton of moves because we already know what the core is with Barkoff and with Huberdo and with Trocek, but some of the other free agents that were brought in and what they could do to help out this team. Well, you go back. And every team's nightmare is having to give a, have to give something off your roster and draft picks in order to fill a hole on your team. Well, the Panthers didn't have to do that. They did it all in free agency, and they didn't have to touch any of their uh, what we call the core players on their roster or draft picks. And uh, Brett Connolly uh, scored over 20 goals with the Washington Capitals last year. The year before, he won a Stanley Cup, so he knows how to win, played an important role. Achari from, from the Boston Bruins, we all saw if everybody watched the Stanley Cup playoffs, and especially the finals, this guy played with a broken sternum chest, uh, chest uh, bone uh, in his body. And what he, what he could do and the toughness and the tenacity that he played uh, the, the, the Panthers were able to, you know, they, they were they were able to add, and on the defensive side as well, and so they they feel that they they filled some holes. Now, the word's still out. I mean, it's still the proof is in the pudding. And like I said, there's a lot of expectations now. When when the Panthers uh, go into training camp and start the season in Tampa Bay next year. There's going to be a lot of expectations, but the, the Panthers really feel that they, they filled a lot of holes this year, and, and with the, 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 the young core of Barkov and Huberto and Ekblad and Trocek, and, and it goes on and on and on, Matheson, that they take that next step. There's going to be, like I said, the expectations will be very high. Andy Slater, who you're having dinner with at uh, at New York Steak, he just tweeted at me, and he said he's ready to order, and he wants to know how you want your steak done. Uh, medium rare. Medium uh- rare and that. Oh, boy. Boy, that's given out a lot of information, right? I played in, I played in Andy's uh, celebrity, uh, well, his uh, tournament, his poker tournament, over here at Coconut Creek, um, it's every second Tuesday of the month or whatever, and I played the last number of times, and he invited me to come back playing. The the, the bad news, K-Raj, is I got bounced out fairly early, not as early as, as Andy did, but the, the good news is, because Andy's relationship here, if you get bounced out, you still get a free steak dinner over at New York Yankee Steak. So, uh, I, I mean, you tell me, can I lose in this proposition? What did you lose on? What hand did you lose on? 
Oh my God! I was I was card dead, and I shoved with a king queen offsuit just to try and double up my stack. But as usual, I came in second. K. Raj is the story of my life. Uh, a day late and a dollar short. So, um, but it's always fun. And uh, Andy does a good job uh, over here. He does a he puts on a great tournament. Um, they, it's really well supported. There's a lot of, of players that play. It's uh, only a hundred dollars, and uh, they have a guaranteed prize pool. I think of fifteen thousand. So, it's a great, uh, great proposition, and he get he gets supported pretty good over here. Well, I'm gonna let you go, Randy. I'm gonna let you get back to dinner. I get, I would have guessed medium rare. You seem like a medium rare kind of guy. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know what? Uh, I used to be one of those ones where just swear at it and slap it once, and then put it on the plate, but. Uh, I, I've, I've come to realize that you got to cook it a little bit. So that's my motto. Randy Moeller joining us here as the Panthers. They are, have been busy in free agency, and they'll get set for the regular season coming up in just a few months. Randy, appreciate the time. Appreciate a few minutes. Enjoy your steak. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Raj, next time we come over here, I'm going to invite you, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have, uh, I can have a steak, and you can have the uh, hamburger. I appreciate that. Thank you. See you, Randy. All right. All right. Randy Muller joining us right there. Oh, boy. That's funny. What's the inside joke on that one? No, that uh, our radio friend Andy Slater, he has a poker tournament, and Andy had tweeted at me in the middle of the interview basically saying, hey, Randy had to step out to go do a radio interview ask Randy what he wants on his, or ask him how he wants his steak cooked because I'm ready to order. So I had to interrupt the interview to get his order so okay. I could tweet it back to Andy and tell him that it's medium rare. Okay, well, I was just curious. About I was going to tell him medium rare because I, I would have guessed that with Randy, but I guess was right. Well, no, I mean, I, th- I thought there was a thing about the steak and the hamburger. Oh, really? No. No. I was surprised he didn't say, like, chicken fingers. Like, I'm, I'm really surprised. I, I would have thought that Randy was, oh, I'll have a... Uh, I'll have the steak, and he'll have the chicken fingers. Do you like chicken fingers? I mean, I do, but, like, I'm not going to, I mean, I do. This guy's probably going to throw it out a second. Uh, really quick, I know this is totally, like, off base of everything. We were talking about social media earlier. <laughs> I don't want to say how stupid people are, because I really don't want to I feel like that's very insulting. Have you seen this have you seen the meme of robert redford the one that he's nodding with the beard and it's an old thing of robert redford okay hold on a second let me see if i can lift up my computer and you can see this hold on oh this is this is going into the core this could be a problem but hold on a second because we, we cut off the wi-fi here hold on here look here look danny I'm, I'm moving the mic for a second here okay we're still in the air you see this meme? Have you seen this meme? Okay, yeah. Where where it's Robert Redford in a movie a long time ago. I don't know what yeah, movie it is. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was... Let me look it up. Whatever. That he's just nodding, and people use that as, as a meme. Anyway, there are people that think that Zach Galifianakis and not Robert Redford. And that's where I'm saying, really? You think that's Zach Galifianakis? Like, it took me a little bit to realize that was Robert Redford, but... I knew it wasn't. I seen it around. I didn't know it was Robert Redford, but I didn't know it was Zach. I knew it wasn't Zach Galifianakis. 
To be honest with you, I thought it was like Grizzly Adams, but the beard wasn't big enough. The nod of approval. That's that's what it's called. The nod of approval. And there are people that thought, or that didn't realize I was Robert Redford. And I'm like, <laughs> social media is so ridiculous. It really is. It really, really is. Anyway. All right. The film was actually um, Jeremiah Johnson. Okay. I've never heard of it. I'll be honest, neither have I. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to. 1972. Um, Have you. And another thing here. So I was just seeing this on. On. on, on Twitter as well. They did this a few years ago in the All-Star game. I found this very interesting that they have mic'd up the players, but that's not the interesting part. The announcers are talking to them during the game. And this happened, I think, with George Springer of the Astros a few years ago. And if I'm not mistaken, there he was in left field or something, left or right field, so, whatever. No, no, I, so they're interviewing him while they're in left field. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a ball hit to him, and he's, like, running to get it while they're talking to him. Obviously, he stopped talking to them, but he had to chase it down. But I just found that funny where it's like, oh, so how's your season going? Oh, it's going, oh, I got to go get the ball. That's, that's hit over my head. Hold on a second. So that, I find that kind of cool. It's kind of funny, but it kind of feels, like, desperate to, like, give you an angle to no. like care about watching the All-Star game. They need game. to do something. They have GoPros. They got to do something to make the it GoPros interesting. The GoPros I'm fine with, but a conversation during the game is a totally different matter. No. Like, I, like to be honest with you, I always kind of find it a little intrusive, like, during the game that they're like, oh, okay, let's talk to let's talk to the pitcher in between innings here. But, but remember, that's not the starting pitcher. That's just a pitcher that's off that day. So it's okay. But the manager, though, too, that's a little bit, you know. Like, I kind of don't, like, I kind of understand Popovich, like, when he does, when he does, like, those things in between the quarters, like, where he's just like, I, I'm, I'm legally obligated to answer two or three questions here, and I'm going to answer that, and that's it. You know, and then I'm going to move on. Because like, you're in the middle of the game. You're in the middle of, you're in the middle of, like, literally combat, for lack of a better term. You know, so, you know, that, that's fine. What I don't like is when, is when they get, is when, like, Popovich gets, like, obstinate, like, after the game. Because it's like, okay, now it's after the game. Answer the questions without being, you know, a jackass for five seconds. Oh, boy. All right. Coming up in the next hour, we'll replay the Ira interview. And if you missed it before, Ira Winderman of the Sun Sentinel joined us to talk about Russell Westbrook and Tyler Hero and some other things uh, involving the Heat. So that's coming up. We've got plenty more to get to with you till 10 right here on 560 WQAM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.